I appreciate um, our dedications. I appreciate all of you so much for participating in that. <clears throat> and um, where I feel inadequate, I just could to set back and and allow the body to f fill fill in the blanks. And um, that was all. Appreciate all of you. I've been making a declaration before. I've been sharing recently out of Isaiah 55 because the word is what has the power to change us and transform us. And um, the more I focus on that, the more at liberty I am and free from that weight and heaviness, how to change people, how to make a, a, an impact, how to be an influencer, how to. Um, it's the word that is. As the snow and the rain fall from heaven and do not return until they have accomplished their purpose, soaking the earth and causing it to sprout with new life, providing seed to sow and bread to eat, so also will be the word that I speak. It does not return to me unfulfilled. My word performs my purpose and fulfills the mission I sent it out to accomplish. Amen. Turn with me to Hebrews 11. I want to get into this and, and not, uh, not be late today. And as I shared last week, I have begun a uh, journey to increase, increase my faith. And uh, situations can bring us to this point where we realize we need to get our game on. And um, I, in, in many aspects, and I keep having this uh, readjustment, I don't want to get ex better at explaining why not? And explaining why things haven't happened and explaining why people died. I don't want to get better at funerals. I want to get better at resurrections. Yeah, the compliment I'm looking for was good resurrection, Pastor. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, the Lord was here today. So um, it's funny how we'll keep uh, adjusting to cope with the lack of the move of the spirit and the manifestation of this. And when we start that stuff and we pastors can be the worst trying to do what we do, pastor thing, you know, trying to fix stuff, trying to make people okay with, with loss and disappointment. We get caught up in, in uh, figuring out why not. I, I left my, the church that I grew up in because I knew there was more. And I went on a journey uh, that was, I would, I would be here in Hebrews chapter 11. That's where we're going today. In this chapter of, of what faith is and people walking in faith. And because of faith, and we have all these illustrations, and I felt the Lord just say, start, read, read, like I wrote to, a note to myself, read the chapter, like read it for the first time again, you know? And uh, I began to, to just look at it and realize every person's story has a key to what faith is and to growing in faith. I'm like, yeah, this is good because we want it to encompass everything that is faith-related. So 
You set out on a journey to find out more. Why do you do that? Because you believe something that you can't see. And that is, in essence, the, the definition of faith. Faith is hope of the things hoped for, promise of things hoped for, the, the evidence of things not seen. Um, in the Passion Translation, faith brings out brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. And so in just natural circumstances of life, every person that ventures out in a business, that takes faith because you cannot see for sure how it's going to turn out. And how many people have failed in their ventures, but how many people have succeeded? And the beginnings all look the same. A, a hope and a prayer. And some of the greatest stories are people that stepped out in things, believing and seeing, having a vision for something that they could not see. And you, you t it takes faith to believe enough to step out, lest you would just live in a box of isolation, no risks, no chance, no life, no adventure. Better to have some adventure, huh? and crash and burn once in a while. Not referring to Kevin. Well, yeah. I'm going to go on a four-wheeler four -wheel race next weekend. I'm like, all the things I want to say, like, mm. boys will be boys. Let them live. So last week I talked about Cain and Abel as first illustration that comes up of faith. And faith moved Abel to offer a better sacrifice. And we looked at that like, what was the really the difference? What, what really mattered? And we can go back and forth. Well, Cain offered this offering, but Abel offered this offering as better. But what the scripture defines as the difference, what was the factor? What was the differentiating factor? What was the thing for you and I to observe since the story showed up in this chapter? That Abel made his offering with faith. And so I often say for people that are giving, if you don't give in faith, don't give. I can do without that faithless money. It's money that's given in faith. The, the widow's might that's given in faith will bless the church. Like, whatever you do, I made an adjustment in my tithing not far back. Realized I was giving in the wrong way. Like, it just kind of creeps up on you. All of a sudden, you realize you're doing the thing you should, but not with the expectation that God is a rewarder of those that seek him. That, that there's a response in the kingdom, kingdom principle. And I upgraded it, and wow, things just started to release. It was just amazing to watch. And then we've, I've gotten the whole church to where we made a big decision. We're going to start tithing as a church and made a commitment. We'll adjust the budget till we can put that as a priority instead of waiting till we have the money to do that. Now, we always gave and we've done things, but this was different. And so that first quarter, we held up a, I held up a $3,000 check if you weren't here, and we, we sewed it into Elijah streams, just sewed it into to things. We give it, gave it up, up into ministries that feed and bless us. And, and everybody who was here that was like, yeah, this is, this is exciting. We just start, you start giving and giving. And, and there's a reciprocation. What, because, but it has to be accompanied with faith. We're not playing a go to the, you know, 
bet on a horse and, you know, that kind of thing, or the lottery. But we're, but we're sowing into the Lord's, into the Lord and into his kingdom. So this week brings us to, and I've spent the week thinking about this, and um, I want to touch, touch this without going on too long. Just, we're, we're just going to do one person. And so we get to verse 5, faith translated Enoch from this life, and he was taken up into heaven. He never had to experience death. He just disappeared from the world because God promised him, for before he was translated to the heavenly realm, his life had become a pleasure to God. And I, I just became, like, enthralled with this. Now, we all know Enoch shows up in, um, I think it's in Genesis. Yeah, it's, it's uh, Genesis 5. Just reference one little verse about Enoch. He walked with God. He was and he was not. Like, hey, 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 wh wh where'd you go? Because he found pleasure. He found favor with the Lord. But that's, we don't have much story with this guy. Just like he was, he walked with God, and he didn't taste death. It's like, wow. So, always been impressed with that. But it's hard without a story, isn't it? To get a, uh, don't you want the rest, of the, the rest of the story? Like, where's Paul Harvey when you need him? Like, need commentary on this. Well, interestingly enough, Enoch, we believe he wrote a book. Now, this was taken out of the um, canon of Scripture. It wasn't uh, validated by whoever decided what we get and what we don't get, which is kind of a whole other discussion. So for the last thousand years, it disappeared from the scene of the church, what Enoch wrote. But it's really fascinating stuff. And he writes, and we have this, uh, this account in Genesis 6, verse 1, 1 through 4, of the greatest betrayal against God that it's, it was huge. And it was where the sons of God in heaven make a pact, and we get the detail, even more details than from Genesis 6, that they make an agreement to come down. They see the, the daughters of men. This is kind of like rated something beyond X, I suppose. They, they see the daughters of men. They desire them. They make this decision to come down. There's a, a Mount a Hebron. Is that correct? Hebron? Hermon. Hermon? That is evidently a portal of some kind. We're going to be off the grid a little bit here, but hang on. It's all, it's, yeah. Just go for it. And they make a pact because the leader, he, he says, I don't want to just get in trouble for this sin on my own. You other, there's 200 of them. They make this, and they made a pact and an agreement and bound it by curses and this shows up in the book of Enoch, like the details of it. And they come and they do this horrendous thing. Now, it wasn't just an event. They did that. Children were born. These became the Nephilim. And what we know as demons today are the disembodied spirits of these half-angel, half-men. Like, it answers some big questions for me. A couple years back... We started really looking at this, looking at the giants, the, res the remains of giants that, that we have that are even real today, that we see today, archaeologists. 
And you go, no one has a great, a good explanation for this. These were the men of renown. And so I think even a lot of our superheroes uh, that we see on the Marvel movies, like the, the myths of that probably came from the reality of this. So we don't know for sure what that looked like. Except, let me just, I'm going to generalize. I'm not going to go into any more detail, except that they became horrible and they started to kill one another. And even the men then that were affected by this. And so you have the appearance of Enoch in Genesis. Then you have Genesis 6, 1 through 4, this thing where the sons of men, they make an agreement to come and do this. And when they came, they taught new things to men and women. Like, and that's a whole nother teaching. Go on and on about this. They, they taught them things they didn't know before for their own purposes. But there was so much bloodshed on the whole earth. The next event, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And we see the great flood. The earth had become, this is why the Lord's like, I regret creating man. They become so evil. There's bloodshed, there's killing. This, isn't just, this wasn't just war. This was horrendous stuff. And, and so the flood comes, and it's a restart, actually. Noah and his family were pure, and it's to get rid of that. And so all of that is, it's real stuff. There's a lot to research in it. I'm not qualified to go too much beyond that, except to realize this, this was here, but here's what's bizarre. Let me add this one amazing thing. Those angels appealed to Enoch to go before the Lord and ask for a pardon for what they had done. And he did that, and the Lord rebuked the angels for even asking him to step in that place, and the answer to it was, you will have no peace. You're bound up now, and you will be sentenced to eternity in, in hell. There was no, because, and here was the explanation, because you were with me in my glory. You observed the glory of God. You knew what you were living in and what you had when you made this horrendous pact, this betrayal. That is why the Garden of Eden is such a, a betrayal. That, that angel was to, be, that was to be the guardian. The Nakash, he betrayed the man and the woman, and they sinned. It was, it was betrayal, betrayal after betrayal after betrayal. And as you read this story in this new light, the whole thing, your heart breaks for God because all he ever did was try to save people, redeem people, make a good, even his angels, they were well taken care of. They were living in perfection. And yet they, they made this pact to do this evil thing. Enoch was so favored by God that even they appealed to Enoch to go before God and to ask forgiveness for them, which they did not get. This man had favor. So faith, and this is what the scripture says, and uh, it says that he had this reputation that he had become a pleasure to God. 
That's, that was the reputation that he had, that he was a friend where he had through by his faith, and it's marked what, what, was, the, what was the determining factor? That he was, he was in faith. That, and because all of that is followed by the next verse that says, and without faith, living within it, us, it would be impossible to please God, for we come to God in faith, knowing that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those who passionately seek him. So that was Enoch's epitaph. He evidently did that because he accomplished this insurmountable favor with God even before Jesus died and, and shed his blood for us. He like cheated the system and got in ahead. Like he found so much favor with God, he got to just move to the top of the class and did not taste death. Wow, what a type, what a picture. What favor, what relation, and his relationship with God was a very intimate, relational. He believed that God was a rewarder of those that seek him, that delight themselves in him. And so he was one that was, he was a pleasure to God. It was reciprocal because God, God had his attention and his affection that he ended up being a person who had God's affection and attention. To this extent that he was, he was this man, has this reputation, ends up in this chapter and accomplished that. And, and, he was, he was, and he writes these books and writes in detail. Like fascinating stuff. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So you don't get accomplishment for working harder or trying harder or earning your way through. It's about coming into favor with God, and then it's about obeying him, obeying Jesus because you love him, because you want, you don't want anything to come between you. It's not about just staying out of jail. It, it's about coming into this place where with, 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 that's very relational and intimate, and out of that comes this favor that comes on you. And that is not that difficult to do for any of us. That we come to God, that we believe that he is, that he rewards us for seeking him, for putting him first, for standing alone sometimes going, I still believe. I'll press through this. I won't join with the crowd of agnostics. I will still believe. I will stand and I'll believe what the Lord says, to say, says what he promises. I'll believe him. He is, he is faithful. He is faithful to accomplish it. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians because I want to stay short today. I'm, I'm not going to get into um, too much else. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it in faith. It's actually sin to try to do things without, without faith. You want a definition of sin? It's, it's living without faith. It's doing the right thing, but not believing that it matters. That's like a no-no in the life and the spirit. 
What you, you need to have convictions about it. You need to raise your children so that they develop convictions. Teach them my ways. Tell them my stories. Don't just give them do's and don'ts. Don't just give them black and white. They need to know the story. They need to know the heart of God. They need to understand the rest of what's going on, the why. They need to understand the heart of a father that's watching over them and reaching out to them constantly. They need to perceive the person that is action, the person of miracles, the person who knows the beginning from the end, the person that lays out a plan. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, with this in mind, and this is what I want to pray over you today as we go, we constantly pray that our God will empower you to live worthy of all that he has invited you to experience. Wow, isn't that just a mouthful? The Lord wants you to, he invites you to live in, that he'll empower you to live worthy of all that he's invited you to experience. I've been saying recently, there's more. Regardless of what you come to, there's more. And it's not about having all the right answers and right interpretations for subjects and doctrine. It's about going after God with all of your heart. It's about keeping this open and, and, and warm towards the Lord and, and pulling down the strongholds and pulling down the walls of resistance. It's about, it's about coming and saying, Lord, my, heart, my heart's hard. It's getting hard in this area, hard in that area, and going after it. it it's, it's to forgive, not just so you stay out of jail, but it's for, to give so that, so that you stay close to Jesus, that, that he, he's the thing. I forgot to turn, uh, Phyllis even read something. Um, go to, uh, we'll come back to this. Uh, so, it was so important. John chapter 9, I believe. And I think I even put it out in one of my comfort texts this, uh, this week again. No, it's, hang on. Like I said, I forgot to write. Oh, 14, chapter 14. John chapter 14. Those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Who passionately loves me will be passionate. He who, whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my Father. And I will passionately love you in return and will manifest my life within you. There, there's so much like thing there, like just obeying the Lord and doing it. It invokes a love from the Father. The Father sees you believing in His Son and following in His Son, and now you have His love and affection in hand watching over you and following you and blessing you and leading and guiding and delivering you. You, you step into favor where you're not, you're not a beggar. Get rid of the, all the begging mentality out of your... And just come to God believing that He is and that He rewards those that seek Him. You come with all of your heart that you love Jesus, and by loving him, in loving him, you understand the Father's eyes are attracted to you like, like oh, oh, yeah, you. You're amazing. You love my son. You're amazing. You believe in my son. Well, of course, come in. You're, you're close to my son. You follow him. Okay, back to Thessalonians. And we pray, moving on in this passage, that by his power, 
all the pleasures of goodness and all works inspired by faith would fill you completely. By doing this, the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you, and you will be glorified in him by the marvelous grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that came up again in our dedication with Mackenzie, like, for his glory. That's true of every one of you. He wants to bring glory into your life. He wants to glorify us. He wants to bring us to a place of shining by the marvelous grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me pray over you today. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that all power, that by your power, the pleasures of goodness and all the works inspired by faith would fill every person completely. I ask that we will be filled, 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 filled. That in the midst of distractions, in the midst of worries and cares, that your love and your compassion, all that you desire for us will, will bust through that and break through that and fill us. And that by doing this, Lord, the name of, of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in us. That you will be glorified in him by this marvelous grace that comes from you, Lord Jesus. Grace, grace, grace on us. So, Father, by faith, we will enter in like Enoch to this place where we walk with you. That we walk with you in our daily, mundane sometimes, lives. That every problem that we have will turn into a conversation with you. That every worry that we have will turn into a conversation with you. That every fear that we have will turn into a conversation with you. A conversation in which we speak and then listen and hear your words come back to us. Where we allow you to comfort us. Where you, we allow you to lead us. Where you allow us to direct our paths. To the extent that we will lack no thing. That in this process, our faith will increase. To the extent that we can speak to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and it will be. We're resigned from our excuses of why we're not seeing the manifest presence of God and the answers and the deliverance that we want. Your word is true, full of these promises, Father. We don't want to get good at explaining why they're not happening. We want to get hungry for the manifestation and the reality. We hit pause with all of our rhetoric and all of our talking and all of our figuring things out. We lay a aside our wisdom and we come humbly before you say we only know what you know Lord and we long for your word to come down like the snow and the rain from heaven and change us 
and accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a good Sunday.